five, four, three, two, one. You are listening to the Mango Tea Podcast with Jody and DK. We are a nonpartisan Jamaican and Caribbean podcast for the diaspora. We give you tea with a slice of mango mm. and information on current events, politics, and politics, finance, sports, and culture. We created this podcast for the diaspora to know what's happening in the Caribbean beyond the gossip. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Mango Tea Podcast. This may be episode 60. <laughs> Let's see how editing goes. You know, um, this is or this is going to be one of our first videos on YouTube. And we're also going to be streaming on all our regular streaming platforms as well. So work, listen, work with us. Uh, today's episode, we have a super, super special guest. When we were discussing... Um, the formation of the podcast and episodes we wanted to do. This was in our top 10 list of topics we wanted to touch. So today we have an Amerindian from Guyana with us who's going to be talking to us more about his culture, um, his upbringing and such. And if you don't know, Amerindians are, are native people. Yes, the Caribbean countries have native people. All Caribbean countries do. But the um, the native people, native um, population of Guyana is one of the highest, is the highest, I would say, in the Caribbean. So, ladies, gentlemen, he, she, they, them, and her, we'd like to welcome Romario with us today. Hi, Romario. So, can you tell our listeners more about who you are? All right. So, I am basically well. I'm a Indian by, by cultural background. I belong to one of the nine nations or tribes that remain presently in the country. Uh, we have nine different groups speaking their own languages. I belong to the Akawayo, the Akawayo people. It's a Caribbean speaking group of people. Uh, generally, we have the two branches of Amerindian languages. You have the Arawakan and then you have the Caribbean languages. I belong to the, the Caribbean group of speakers. I, of course, spent my childhood growing in an Amerindian village uh, called Kako. It's, you would find it closer to the border between Guyana and Venezuela, uh, around the Roraima uh, region. I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with the, the majestic Roraima Mountain, which is the highest point for Guyana. Um, we basically dwell in the watershed and for at least 12 years I would have spent my, my, my life doing traditional activities, uh, farming, fishing and all, all of the natural engagement interaction that you would find with, uh, among Amerindian villages, alright? And of course after at the age of 12 i moved to the coast that's where uh, where i am currently in georgetown basically for school for the for, for university and now i'm employed here but i make it my duty to return at least once annually to where i am mm -hmm. from i am uh i work with one of the national agencies that basically do environmental monitoring and regulation in the country uh, I am focused on the mining industry for, for Guyana and 
mainly because of course I have also had an exposure from young to the impacts of mining on, on Guyana's uh, natural systems. So it, the career has been quite uh, fascinating enough for me, a lot of field work. I, I, would, I always tell people I'm not an office person, I just kind of sit there, it's just in me embedded that I have to be out. There must be a balance in mm -hmm. one's life and I think I am quite suited for where I am and I have no regrets. And I look forward to working more with communities in the future. And it's something that I look forward to uh, very much. So that, I think, in a nutshell, is basically who I am. And of course, I speak my language. And it's Amerindian Heritage Month in Guyana at the moment. Uh, the September, mm -hmm. the month of September, is designated as Amerindian Heritage Month. So just a hello, Arabinai. Uh, it's in Hawaii. Hello, Arabinai. Welcome to are you guys okay and and welcome and i hope that we all can learn from one another yeah for sure how do you say mango in your language man uh we do not let me see we do not have a, word for, have mango. a word for mango no. uh, well, one second i need to okay. i need to research that back i'm gonna get back to you okay, okay. <laughs> i believe we do okay. i believe we do i will i believe we do uh -huh. But I'm gonna get do back you to have you a word that. for do you for, have a word for tea for tea we do we do we do have a word for tea etima tima etima yeah etima etima correct etima okay etima, yeah. okay <laughs> listen listen we just need a guidebook and when we come to Guyana and visit you yeah we we're gonna ask for etima <laughs> um yeah, so I think one of the one of the things that we kind of skipped over, um, and this is something we ask our guests: mm -hmm. What is your favorite mango? My favorite mango would be the what we call the chili mango. Mm -hmm. You're familiar with that? That, that, that? Yep. That that's my favorite. That's my favorite. Why is it your favorite? Why is it my favorite? Uh, I, I think for me it's less fibrous. Uh, if that's that's the one that I have. Um, it's quite. We have wool. We have two that grows in the one for the longer period and the shorter period. I don't know if you're familiar with that. And they're not. They're not. You have one that grows very very tall and one that is quite adapted to a more savanna area. It's. I'm not sure if it's native here, but yeah. Okay, and then for our informational purposes, when is mango season? Mango season is it would be during November, but I, it varies depending on where you are in Guyana. Because in the Rupununi, for example, their their seasons are different from the forested areas in the country. But mm -hmm. my mango season, I can speak for my mango season, would be uh, sometime in in March and sometime in November. That, that would be it. Okay. But I can tell you though that my village isn't quite populated with mango. We have a lot of more tangerines than mango in the con in in my village particularly. Yeah, we we're the tangerine okay. village of the district. <laughs> you have two <laughs> other villages that that have a lot of mangoes. I can assure you that. Yeah. Okay. So we can. So when we come, we'll either come in November or March, and we'll come for Correct. to visit you, of course, but of course for the mango. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, it, it, it is the, uh, best, the better season because it's the dry season. Uh, traveling during the, the wet seasons in the country, it's really not the best idea. Oh, no, not me. Um, so you're also, <laughs> I, I would like to, I like to think that you are kind of an accomplished photographer as well, um, just based mm. on your Instagram as well. And you highlight a lot of um, Amerindian culture. Why, why did you choose this medium and why not something else? That's, that's a brilliant question for me because it all started from when I was at the age of, I would say around 14, 15, coming into the dominant part of Guyanese society, uh, where you have uh, the, the other ethnic groups existing, apart from where you would find the Amerindian communities more to the, in the, within the hinterland regions of Guyana. What, what stood out for me personally is that there was not enough or contemporary content on Amerindian mm -hmm. peoples, on Amerindian culture. For example, in my social studies class, all right, in my social studies class in high school, I'm given a homework uh, perhaps for, for uh, either geography or social studies or e even history. Mm -hmm. on Amerindian culture and to access material, photographic material or, or even, even even videos, it was such a, a difficult thing to find and, and often it would lead you to some historic images as though Amerindians mm -hmm. only exist in the past, okay? But we have to recognize or I, I made, I may, I realized that this is not a case. We are quite a thriving group of people we are still here, we are existing, and why is it that the resources that relates to us seems very archaic? So from that point that inspired me to, to, do, to produce my own content that really focuses on Amerindian culture, their way of life, their food, their dress, uh, their, their languages. Uh, which I do mostly on Facebook, um, unlike on my Instagram page. Instagram is strictly <laughs> photos, photography, but I put more uh, substantial content uh, on, on Facebook where I find a lot of more local persons that are willing to learn about Amerindian culture. So I would say that that, that, that was the, uh, the starting point for me, realizing that there wasn't enough resource uh, on, on, on the web or, or anywhere else material stuff a photographic stuff uh, not enough not sufficient at all and that's, that's at all, amazing yeah not at all but i believe that from that point onwards when people see that hey uh this is really what amarini culture is about and you begin to realize a sense of i would say domino effect because if i started to do it then you you find other young people now are willing to to do it on them by themselves all right they, they take the mm -hmm. initiative to showcase um, their own villages um, their, their their own ceremonies and and what of you okay so I mm -hmm. think it, it is something that is going to continue to change and I believe that especially young people and in an, in an age of technology would definitely uh, bring Amerindian culture more to the forefront than it has ever been before that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So bringing it a step back mm -hmm. into the larger picture. Mm -hmm. So I 
so we know that there were native people across mm. the entire Caribbean, all of the Americas forever. However, it's after, and we know that after Christopher Columbus came, um, they with the I would like to say the invasion, mm. um, there was mass genocide across the region, and there is very few. There's small populations, from what I've learned, of Native peoples across the Caribbean. Mm. But why is it that Guyana has such a large... What, not, so yeah, why is it that Guyana still has such a significant amount of Amerindian people in the country? What is the history of that? I would say, I would say, I would say one of the main reasons is because the experiences that we have had historically it it would not uh equal in magnitude in terms of the the, the i would literally call it a, a genocide that occurred in other Caribbean islands um for example the the tainos the arawaks the, that were found in in many of many of those uh, many of the lar both large and small islands of the caribbean uh, countries uh dominican dominican republic um jamaica trinidad cuba and all of the, uh, all all of those main areas and their 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 fate was quite a, a uh i would say a horrific one um mm -hmm. in terms of their encounter with with the the settlers or the colonizers and as opposed to that for guyana I think there we ha with the, with the indigenous people in here, we we did not witness that to an extent. And in addition to that, there were even alliances that are recorded in history between certain Amerindian groups, what they call the free nations, because they did try to enslave the natives here as well. Mm -hmm. However, um, there were four main nations uh that were present here at that time the akawayos uh to which i belong the the caribs the 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 arawaks and i believe is the the caribs arawaks the akawayos and i believe is the waraos correct me if i'm wrong for that one but at least for those three i am very certain that they were deemed the free nations of of the country and mm -hmm. they sort of got into an agreement with with the colonists to to exist as a free people um, and not wanting to be enslaved and so therefore we had that much liberty and that freedom to coexist although many of us also retreated into the hinterland all right and the mm -hmm. hinterland at that time was was very oh, i would say not friendly at all unless you really know the area and luckily for uh, for us we knew guyana quite well i i believe we were the best geographers by 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 by, by our culture of the country and the the entire geographic uh names and places that you find in Guyana can, can attest to that because all of our rivers, for example, are, are in, in Amerindian languages, okay? Even the Demerara, mm -hmm. the Essequibo, the, 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 the Quarantine, many of our rivers, Mazaruni, the, the river from which I'm from, are all in, in, uh, in, in Amerindian languages. So we were able to retreat, many of us retreated to the, to the hinterland. And of course, we were able to to live freely in those mountainous regions, 
as opposed to some of the coastal tribes that uh, that remained um, on the coast of Guyana. And unfortunately, those are the ones that have lost their culture comparatively more to the ones that you would find existing in the mountainous regions of the country. So when I compare that to, to the other Caribbean islands where they had, they basically decimated people there, uh, large numbers, you know, and but we, we as a country here in Guyana, I think we were fortunate to an extent to not having to witness that at that scale. But of course, you, you did, you, we did have uh, deaths from, from the diseases that they brought, of course. But mm -hmm. in terms of actual massacres, as, of, as how it is described in the Caribbean history for indigenous people on the other Caribbean islands, that was not the case. So okay. I believe that was one of the reasons why you find quite a, a significant amount of in Amerindian population here. And of course, we we share borders with Venezuela, and even before there was an institution of that, we had quite active interaction and exchange with with the neighboring tribes in the, in, the, in, in across the border. Well, the border was non-existent then, and we still continue that today. And I believe that relationship that we have had as well helped us to thrive as a people. Uh, mm -hmm. as, as opposed to how you would find uh, those those remaining tribes that you found on the coast of Guyana, and you would find that the ones in the hinterlands are the are the areas where you find Amerindian population growing uh, quite quite exponentially, as opposed to the ones that you find on the coast. Yeah, so it was okay. like a safe so haven for us. I would say the 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 hinterlands of Guyana was like a safe haven mm -hmm. for 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 majority of the other groups that, that, that were here. Okay. So mm -hmm. bringing it back into today, mm -hmm. um, we had a guest in our podcast, um, I think maybe episode five, um, DJ Rich, um, Richie, world is rich. Yes. Wow. Um, he is from Guyana and he was telling us that there is a significant political power that is with the Amerindian people. So can you tell me um, a little bit about the political power that the Amerindian people have to be in Guyana? Well, this, yeah, this comes from the same growth in population, of course, and this <clears throat> would definitely have an influence in the, the electorate and the, in the entire political atmosphere, the, the political dynamics that you would have in the country. Uh, currently, we stand at 10% of the entire's, uh, entire country's population, and it is a significant amount uh, of eligible voters within the country if they choose to, to vote in accordance with their own, with their own leadership. They, they can have that capacity to, to really make that, uh, that break in these two dominating forces that we have had for since since the independence since we had independence in the country where we have had the majority being uh, of an East Indian origin and the other also have been the African of the African Party. These were the two major parties that that we have known up to even up to present within Guyana. And prior to that, Amerindians have had to be being the split vote between either parties and I, that has mm -hmm. really has had an impact on 
on the relations between communities and the government in power because of the recognition that we can have a swing uh, we can have a swing vote and can really determine a seat or two in Guyana's parliament and of course uh, being a majority in parliament it comes with a more significant power uh, being <clears throat> the majority all right so it has had an influence uh, on the even on the dynamics within the communities itself disappointingly i must say as a young person and it's something that really needs to change uh, immediately and we we would have observed for example from the last elections uh in the country that we've had an amerindian leadership taking taking the taking a step forward in in basically seeking uh, a seat or or making that effort and i th i believe uh if anything at all uh it has been quite a case study for us as we have been mm -hmm. really looking as to how effective it would be or how successful it would be and at the same time they it also helps us recognize the power that that the two major parties have in the country and on the the population the amerindian population of guyana so with the growth in our population um as i said there is definitely going to have uh, an impact on on guyana's mm -hmm. future political landscape and I believe that with this, the initial step that was taken by the current leader, um, which I personally have been quite observant about and, and really learning on myself as to see <clears throat> how far this goes and, and within what, what limits um, he's been able to operate and, and the effectiveness of his, uh, of his leadership and all of that. But I, I would anticipate that uh, in the near future, um, I, I believe that they can, they can really make, a, they, they can be the key to having a change in Guyana's uh, politics really and truly. And it's something that the entire country desires in the sense of a, of a change in how, how, uh, how it mm -hmm. operates here locally. And even as Guyana's mixed population also increases and uh, so parallel to the Amerindian population, we definitely are looking forward to having a change in the, 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 the status quo and, and how, how politics is really played here in, 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 in Guyana locally. But if you're here on the ground, you would find that the Amerindians themselves feel as though they do want to have a seat at the table. I can I can tell you that they do want to have a seat at the table. Um, they do not find having even you you mentioned earlier that you're knowledgeable about Amerindians having even a ministry under the government that looks after the affairs. Now the question is how effective has is the, has the ministry been in really uh, in their effort to forward uh, Amerindian issues and 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 uh, and how how robust has their programs and their initiatives have been to really address their recurring problems and 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 deficiencies that you find in Amerindian communities mm -hmm. and upon the realization that often it is it is more of a 
first and foremost, it's it's the interest of the party that takes precedence. And we have come to realize that, and I think that is one of the key reasons why they, there has been a, a slight shift shift in, in their, their political consciousness, I would say. It is not yeah. totally there, but I, I believe that there has been a spark and with the right leadership and a group of uh, positive thinkers, I think that it can continue to grow, but definitely I, I would want to, I am convinced that we have had a slight change in our political consciousness on a whole. And mm -hmm. I would love to see that evolving more and, and how, how as a people that we can help to really bridge the differences that, that we have had between the two major parties of the country. Mm -hmm. So you bring up a great point with mm -hmm. the, the divide between the two political parties. Because mm -hmm. what we see now in Diana is that it's separated along racial lines. Correct. And there is essentially, I would say, a race war in Diana um, happening. And it, and it was um, perpetrated or it proliferated when we saw the, the saga of the election. Mm -hmm. So, on the ground with the with the, the I, I would say race wars between Afro Guyanese and mm -hmm. Indo Guyanese, where where do the Amerindians stand? Where where are they in that fight? Is it just I I I I, I mm -hmm. this is a question for me because I really want to know because I think it's very interesting that there's such a diverse mix in the population, mm -hmm. but yet it's the country is so divided. So. <laughs> Yes, um, as I as I was saying earlier, I will I would say where we stand, we stand divided among 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 them both, as well as finding ourselves at the center as well. So mm -hmm. we have been basically we have been split in three positions. For for the government, and you would find of of course the opposition as well. And then there are those in, in the center like myself that prefers neither of, of but rather, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm being quite frank. I rather, yeah, I find myself at the center to, to basically move away uh, entirely from how, as, as I said, the, the, the current, how it is currently played out. Um, and it was a crazy time for for Guyana in, indeed, and you begin to see the the extent to which to which uh, politicians would go to influence and to to skew the the, the votes for uh, the votes from Amerindian villages to themselves. Okay, and of course mm -hmm. you would only have to be in the country to really see what is happening and how it is done, and. Uh, <laughs> A funny as much as much as it is funny for me it has is also quite a sad reality and and that you have the people have to decide between between either the the, the one in power or the one in opposition all right and then mm -hmm. there are those that are just I would say they are a bit indifferent because again from from the years of observation that nothing seems to be changing okay and if i think that that goes for any 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 in any um awakened i would say civil society where eventually you just become tired of it and and 
and you, you're not really making 10 steps forward you're you're basically where you were 10 years ago or a decade ago yeah. and so they have become sort of desensitized to really be politically active or even vibrant as how they may they, they may have been before and i can i can give you an example like there are many persons i would have come across to within villages that that would tell you that they're they're no longer going to be voting for next um during the next elections and they they rather have nothing to do with to do with either other parties um some still some still uh aspire to 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 take the leadership for example and a secret uh from me to you <laughs> is that okay. um yeah a secret from me to you is that for example there is another group uh, the, uh a movement i would say that is hoping to launch uh quite soon uh mm -hmm. hopefully by next month and again this is uh quite a, a clear case of amerindian populations really wanting to to entirely shift from from the current politics and uh, and have something that is more meaningful and that can have a more impact within their villages and communities so we have had the first case with with the lgp that we had that was headed by mr lennox schumann uh mm -hmm. he was our, an arawakan from one of the villages that you find on the coast and of course some people are are are, are dissatisfied with 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 how it has played out the outcomes of of this and of the entire thing that happened um so there again is another movement that is trying to trying to basically take a different perspective or take a different direction as to how he may have played it out so again for me it's it's i still would like to see how it's how 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 it's going to develop and, and how it's going to affect people um uh what i should say they're they're their political thinking and what would they see out of it and what do they want and but the most importantly is about doing the field work and that has been a challenge for uh amerindian movements for example because doing uh doing a political campaign or even out field outreaches it calls for a lot of resources and i think that's where that that is where you they find a disadvantage because now you are you are trying to 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 run a campaign but you do not have that financial economic support and again this comes to the the what i wish i should say the division of economic power as a whole in the country all right so mm -hmm. it's 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 not an easy task for 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 that group and, and and any person that wants to take the leadership i think that's one of the the, the key challenges that they would face uh from from the inception all right so i'm sure that you're gonna hear very soon at least by next month that there is another group of people that is going to enter the, the guyana's political landscape again uh that are that would may that would be founded uh within uh basically community groups and hoping mm -hmm. to see how what, what difference they can make uh, as opposed to to the to the former uh to the former party that was launched uh, a year before um, Guyana's elections. Mm. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to that because I, I, when I hear about Guyana's um, political parties, all I hear is every single time corruption. 
a corruption out the wazoo. So I think a, a good fresh change is good. So I, I want to switch gears a little bit mm-hmm. and talk about the um, the recent oil discovery in Guyana. Mm-hmm. Um, how have your people responded to that? Because there were a lot of concerns that, one, the deal swindles the Guyanese people completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard that the contract was terrible. And it wouldn't benefit the people at all because there, mm. there are all these headlines around the world. ExxonMobil has put out, and they have an office in Guyana. Um, hey, ExxonMobil, if you're watching, answer my email. <laughs> but there, there are all these press releases that Guyana is poised to be one of the richest countries in the world because mm. of this oil discovery. Oh, and now you have the land dispute as well with Venezuela. What, what are, what are some of the thought? What are some of your thoughts on the deal, and just o- the overall deal? and whether or not it will benefit um, Diana and your people? To be, to be quite frank, the, the Guyanese people, and even I personally believe that, of course, it's definitely not the, the best deal for the country. And mm-hmm. I think our, the, the media that we have here locally have, have been surfacing uh, basically comparative deals uh, with, with uh, that, that occurred with other countries, and when you can really look at the deal that the Guyana took, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's really ridiculous, and I. But I. My only concern is that the Guyanese people, or well, us basically, have not been quite uh, what I should say um, forceful of the government mm-hmm. to renegotiate. I think that is where we have, uh, where we should have invested more of our activism, our, our advocacy for, uh, or even to, to push uh, the government towards uh, resigning a new deal. But that has not been the case. That has not been the case as much as you would you would find commonly that the comment is about we being basically robbed. That's the first thing. And secondly, we do not believe that we may benefit significantly as much as, of course, we are making the headlines to say that we're going to be the, the, the next sort of Singapore or Dubai. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the people are still not convinced enough that that can really be the future of Guyana. And again, it's all, all in the in their disbelief in, in Guyana's um, leadership or, or our politicians. And as you say, corruption, all right? The, 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 great, the, great, the great political sin of corruption is, one, is, is a key reason why we do not still believe as a people that we can truly benefit from from this oil deal all right mm-hmm. so so that is one and secondly we people people want to know like especially like for our Indian communities like how how are they really going to benefit from this how are they going to benefit from the proceeds of the oil um because of course uh the the priorities for for Amerindian communities may not necessarily be the same for for the the wider public that you might find at the coast of Georgetown, but we, for example, have not had really any clear direction as to how we are going to benefit from 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 this entire fund that uh, the government now is going to have that their hands on or have access to. And that has been a recur- yeah. that has been a recurring question, especially like in communities where they go and do outreaches, 
It's like, how mm -hmm. are we going to benefit from it? And and the response has not been very precise or direct or any sort of clear uh, plan that you can offer to communities. And I think that is where we need the, we need to have more discussions between our leadership and 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 and, and, and our Indian population or the villages that we find here, uh, because all we know is that we're going to benefit. But how are we going to benefit? How exactly? Yeah. That's 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 the greatest question that has remained unanswered, and even if there has been any attempt, uh, it has not been quite satisfactory to the majority of the, the 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 population even even on even at a at a, at a national level but but more so um speaking for amerindian communities yeah okay mm -hmm. um i i love your hat well, thank i've been you. staring at this this whole time can you tell us um a little bit about your hat yes so this is what we call a amerindian headdress um you would mm -hmm. find that um i have about three i was trying to decide which one to wear <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> which one to wear? Yeah, but um, it's 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 normally or customarily worn by the chiefs of the villages, um, mm -hmm. who of course often uh, is a male. But the the good thing now is that we now have female tushaus as well. We call them tushaus, so mm -hmm. the leadership now can be balanced. It can be it can, yes. yeah. So you you can be one. <laughs> you can. You I, can oh <laughs> my! Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. You know what? My family always told us that my yeah. my, my uh, grandparents always told me that like we're descended from um, Taino Indians. So I was always like, I'm Native American. <laughs> Native American, the Taino, yeah. the, the, the Tainos, the the Arawakan group of people. Correct. So yeah, so um, it it is uh, it is normally worn uh, during ceremonies, um, and of course by the 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 the, the chief wears the the most glamorous or or, or the greatest. Uh, formed um, mm -hmm. headdress the females do wear it as well but it's a bit more decorative around around the their head uh, it is mm -hmm. not as uh, longitudinal as you see mine hair or cylindrical uh -huh. so yeah so it do varies between the male and the female and yeah it's one of my favorite pieces i try to get one annually because i just love headdresses and um yeah and are I, yeah are you a chief Soon. <laughs> soon, soon, okay. yeah, soon. My my father is is the current chief of my village, actually. Mm -hmm. So I do oh, for, I do foresee myself taking that uh, leadership eventually. So it's best mm -hmm. I gonna start practice wearing my 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 my, my headdress from now yep. on. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of the common customs of the Amerindian of your of your people in your village? Definitely, uh, we 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 still we still believed in uh, having access to nat to natural food. That's the first and foremost that I that I loved about uh, growing in in Morindin Village. Uh, we we normally say that the forest is the supermarket for us where we are. I, uh, yeah, all the nuts that you can find. Um, some of them are quite quite so so delicious uh, for for me that I haven't had them in a while. But of course they're seasonal. Um, we we also do a lot of uh, fishing uh, and during different seasons uh, it is practiced more often um, than than the other. Often during the onset of the rainy season within our area, yeah, you would find 
that um, the majority of the, the villagers or the residents would be engaged in, in, in fishing. You still do hunting as well uh, with, our hunt, okay. uh, with our hunting dogs and you find many many communities still engaged in farming. Uh, our, our provisions, our yams, our corn and of course corn uh, was domesticated by, by the Amerindians. And mm -hmm. yeah, and of course, uh, we have the the cassava um, that that is native to mm -hmm. Amazonia on a whole. All right, so oh, okay. Yeah, so that's 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 one of the predominant crops you would find. You would find women like uh, having a lot, even like multiple species of cassava. You have the short season, and I think it's quite uh, something that helps the communities to be resilient because, of course, we do have floods sometimes. So you have the short-term cassava crop and you have the long-term cassava crop. You can reap one in three months, another in like six months. Mm -hmm. So that that uh, that are some of our uh, customs that exist today. They, of course, we have our own food. Uh, we we do a lot of um, barbecue as well, which again originated with the indigenous people. Barbecue. Uh, we we do our hammock making uh, and again it's something that originated with 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 uh, the amerindians uh globe uh, mm -hmm. in the world the hammock, hammock. it actually the the yeah. word comes from the the arawak they had the hamaka uh and and we still use it today my my grandma um makes it from cotton some make it from from the ite palm some make mm -hmm. it from a family that looks like a, a pine tree or a pine plant. So you have different sources uh, that they use to to for that for that craft of hammock making. But I know my grandma uh, predominantly uh, uses the the cotton, and of course mm -hmm. the different tribes again they they, they are more skillful in using uh, a certain material as opposed to the other. And, and yeah, so that is generally uh, what we continue to practice to this day. We follow the seasons in, in, in when it comes to different activities that we do. Uh, it's our knowledge of the seasons really influences uh, a majority of our customs and of our activities. And it's something quite interesting for me. And, and uh, it's, some, you, it's something that you would want to experience by yourself as well while, while you're within an Amerindian community. And of course, I reached, I probably would say that we still maintain our language. And mm -hmm. when entering uh, my community, for example, uh, you, would, you, would have to, you would have to be bombarded by communities uh, being fluent and just speaking the Akawaii language as opposed to English. And and as much as it's still a threat, there is still a threat to the language um, of all of the languages in Guyana, the Amerindian languages that is. Uh, you would mostly find it being quite vibrant um, in the in the riverine areas and far-flung regions of the country. And, okay. uh, and many of our our stories, which we tell, our 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 customary practices, our our histories, and our knowledge of the land and. And all of that, it's it's embedded in our language, and we we, we try to preserve that to the best that we can. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So I have one final question mm. for you. Um, what's your favorite tea? My favorite tea, natural. I would go as a natural tea. Uh, I would say lemongrass. Mm -hmm. That's natural. Yeah, lemongrass. Uh, 
They also use um, the leaves of the tangerine. Uh, for, I, I, we use a lot of tea, to be honest. We use tangerine. We use sour soap. Um, we use. Oh my gosh, uh, I'm we, we yeah, we use different barks. We use different barks uh, that you find in uh, in in the forest. Uh, so I have I have quite a wide variety, and I do I do have a I have a liking for uh, for many of them, but I think uh, I have a affinity for lemongrass more. So mm -hmm. I, I I wouldn't be calling anything off the shelves of the supermarket if you if you were thinking that, but but no I I, I go strictly oh, no. I go strictly organic. <laughs> okay, <laughs> organic. great. I, oh, I, I not to forget ginger. Ginger is one of my favorites. As ginger well. tea. Ginger tea is one of my favorites. Yeah. Top tier. <laughs> Top, Top tier. tier. Yeah, we're, we're right here. We're right we're here. Because right we, we love, here we love um, mango and tea fully, and we prefer to get ours. We like to save from the bush. From the bush, correct. Yeah, yeah. so we go from the backyard. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, for our followers, where can they find you on social media if they want to follow you or learn more about your culture? Definitely follow me. Uh, I'm more active on Facebook, Kapong. Uh, mm -hmm. I would the same name K A P H O N and before I go I would just like to say that I have chosen that um, social media name for the sake of for the for the for the sole sake of cultural activism. Uh, my mm -hmm. my birth certificate name is Romario, uh, Portuguese perhaps, <laughs> but okay, yeah. yeah because of course our villages are Christianized and we carry English and. Um, Spanish and Portuguese names, but I choose Capong as my social media name because it is one of uh, the existing identities of, of my group of people. It simply mm -hmm. translates as people that live in the highlands. So I'm being a part of that group of people. I, I carry that name so people can, uh, can always ask me, hey, what is the meaning of your name? And boom, there, there the conversation starts. So that, that, that is the main objective for me. Of having that name in social mm -hmm. media so you can find that on Facebook and of course on Instagram I do share a lot of photos at uh, regularly um, definitely on a weekly absolutely. basis and, absolutely yeah, beautiful. Weekly basis. absolutely beautiful yeah so mm -hmm. so yeah you can follow me uh, on on both and I would definitely have to follow and keep uh, keep in contact or in in some sort of communication and learn more from from your from your podcast and I think it's a brilliant oh, thing that you, you, you have endeavored in, yeah. Thank you. Because um, mm -hmm. I, I, just from our conversation here, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking in my head already, I need him for like at least three more episodes. <laughs> 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 so thank yeah. you. Um, and for our listeners, thank you for joining us for this episode. Follow us on Mango Tea Podcast at Mango Tea Podcast on all social media platforms. And don't forget to, to share this episode with everybody you know, your mother, your father, your sister, your cousins, your cousin's girlfriend, your cousin's cousin, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Mango Tea Podcast and, of course, sipping tea with us. Like this episode, download, and most importantly, share. Follow us on all social media at Mango Tea Podcast. And, of course, don't forget your mango.